You're listening to Comedy Central. Are you ready for an all-new season of Survivor? You better be, because Survivor 46 is here, and it's 90 minutes of twists and turns you don't want to miss. Better yet, after each episode, there's a brand new episode of On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. Each week, we go behind the scenes of the episode's biggest moments, taking you into the how and the why things happened. And this season, we're very lucky to be joined by an expert, the winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris. What is up? I'm thrilled to be joining this team and to be giving you my take on how and the why players made the moves they did what it takes to outwit, outplay, and outlast. And to ask Jeff some questions, because even after 26 days out there, there is still a lot for me to uncover. Bring it, D. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Despite the world telling Vladimir Putin that he's been not nice, the Russian military has continued its indiscriminate bombing of civilian areas in Ukraine, reducing them to rubble and leaving the people there without homes, food, or even water. And when the civilians try to flee those cities, well, it turns out that Russia has been bombing them too. More and more civilians being killed as Russia escalates its attacks here. People trying to flee the invasion struck at an evacuation crossing point. Twice, Russia and Ukraine agreed to ceasefires in order to give people a chance to get out. Both times, Russia broke the ceasefires with violent, indiscriminate shelling. At least four people, including a woman and her two children, were killed in that attack. We will not forgive, we will not forget. Ukraine's President Zelensky vows to punish Moscow's troops as he reacts to the killing of civilians attempting to flee the conflict. We will find every we shot at our cities, our people. There will be no quiet place on this earth for you, except for the grave. Sweet Jesus, this is insane. Like, it's bad enough that Russia is blowing Ukraine to smithereens. But it's even worse that they're bombing people who are trying to escape during a ceasefire that Russia agreed to. I mean, what's what's Russia's logic here? I I honestly don't get it. What is it? First we murder the people, then they'll warm up to us as their new rulers? What's the plan? And today, after attacking civilians during the first two evacuation attempts, Russia offered to create new humanitarian corridors to allow people to escape these cities. Except, and you can't make this part up, many of the evacuation routes would funnel civilians straight into Russia. Which is insane. Like, just think about that for a moment. People are trying to escape and you're like, we'll let them escape, but into our country. Like, imagine hostage takers saying, all right, we'll let the hostages leave. We'll let them leave the bank, but only if they come with us to our house. Then they're still hostages. Are you insane? I mean, not to mention, even refugees probably don't want to live in Russia right now. I mean, things aren't great in Ukraine, but at least they still get the Batman. There's nothing in Russia. And because many Russians have family members who are living in Ukraine, the idea of the Russian military leveling Ukrainian cities and killing innocent people was never going to be popular in the first place, which is probably why Putin has now gone into overdrive to make sure that in Russia, nobody hears about it. 
Well, a new Iron Curtain has fallen in Russia, and this time it's an information Iron Curtain. That's why most Russians don't know what's really happening in Ukraine. The Kremlin today blocked Facebook and Twitter, and there are no independent media outlets left. Vladimir Putin signing a law tonight making it a crime to spread what the Russian government considers fake news about the conflict in Ukraine. The maximum penalty, 15 years in jail. Independent Russian news outlets have always found it difficult to operate. Now it's impossible. The staff at Moscow's last independent TV station walking off set as their final symbolic broadcast played out. A similar scene played out at Russia's oldest liberal radio station, Echo of Moscow, which says it's been forced to close. We just can say welcome to the USSR. Yeah, just think about that for a moment. The only place to get any news in Russia now is state media. That's it. Putin even shut down Facebook in Russia, which is so messed up. Like, why couldn't he have shut it down everywhere? Why only in Russia? This man's truly evil. We also want to break from Facebook. I mean, on the plus side, the one silver lining of this is that everyone is getting the exact same news in Russia, which means Russian family dinners are probably going to be like the least contentious affairs ever especially way more than American family dinners. Well, I heard the war in Ukraine is going well. Oh yeah, I heard the same thing. Yeah, more stuffing, please. Happy Thanksgiving, we're Russians together, enjoying same news so we don't disagree. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Russia's plan to liberate Ukrainians by bombing all of their cities. And things don't look like they'll be getting better anytime soon. A third round of peace talks has ended with no resolution. Two million Ukrainians have now fled the country and the Russians are reportedly trying to pay Syrians to come fight with them against Ukraine. And I don't know, man, I feel like Syrians must be pretty conflicted about this. You know, because on the one hand, Russia's asking them to fight in another war. But on the other hand, there's finally one European country happy to have Syrians come over, huh? And you know, if you ask me, I think this is a pretty smart strategy from Putin. He's probably thinking that if he can turn this into a Middle East conflict, then the West will stop caring about it. Meanwhile, in the battle to isolate Russia, McDonald's and Starbucks have become the latest Western corporations to cut ties with Russia, with both announcing that they would temporarily close all locations in the country. Yeah, no Starbucks, no McDonald's. That's a sad life to live. Yeah, no pick-me-up in the morning, no happy meals, or as they call them in Russia, meals. I don't think they have a word for happy. You know, yeah, they just like go to the drive-thru and then give the kid the food, just like, look in meal, Dimitri. There is great toy of wheelbarrow to remind you the purpose of life is work. This is your birthday. This is your birthday. You were born on this day. This is your birthday. Now, as the situation in Ukraine gets more dire, the economic fallout of the war is spreading to the rest of the world. 
This morning, gas prices soaring to the highest average ever recorded, $4.17 a gallon. I just filled up right now, and it cost me $50 versus normally it costing me $30. Up $0.10 cents in just one day and $0.55 cents since last week. Eclipsing the previous record of 4.10 a gallon set 14 years ago. In California, $4 a gallon would be a relief. The average there is 5.28. Prices at this Shell station in Los Angeles hitting nearly $7. Oh my God. Gas prices shocking drivers at the pump. It's $100 and it's not even a full tank. Yeah. If you thought gas prices were already high, Russia invading Ukraine has only made things worse, which sucks for everybody. I mean, it sucks for parents who need to drive kids to school. It sucks for small businesses who have to spend more money to move things around. It sucks for everyone because the price of gas affects the price of everything. Like if this keeps up, the next Fast and Furious movie is gonna take place on public transportation. It's all about saving gas. And I feel so bad for everyone who gets surprised when they fill up their tank. I mean, think about it. Yesterday, you had enough money, and then all of a sudden, today, you don't. Your salary didn't go up, right? Nothing in your life changed. You just don't have enough money. Which, by the way, is weird. Can we agree on this as a concept? It's weird. It's weird that the price of gas changes, but, like, instantly at the pump. Do you, do you get what I'm saying? Like, I feel like the change should only affect the gas that's on its way, not the gas that's already there. Like, this gas has been here for a week, so technically, that's the $4 gas. You know what I mean? Give me the $4 gas. In fact, give me the gas at the bottom of the tank. That's like the $2 shit. It's been there for a while. I'm charge the $5 shit still coming. The price changed. That price changed. I want the stuff that's here now. And can we spare a moment for this woman who was surprised there? I mean, just think about it. A camera crew comes up to her and they're like, uh, can we film you while you fill up your tank? She was probably like, oh boy, I'm on a secret game show. Oh, he's gonna finally propose. And then they're just like, ha ha, we showed you don't have enough money on the news. Have a good day. And you know, you've really got to hand it to corporations when you think about it, man. Because you hear people all the time going like, ah, the price of oil has gone up, so everything costs more. But they've done a great job of tricking all of us into thinking that prices are these magical things that nobody has control over. Because you understand, as consumers, we understand it. We go, the price of oil went up, so we're going to have to pay more. But who made that rule? Right, oil companies are making windfall profits right now over $100 billion a year. Why can't they take a hit? Just a tiny hit. Yeah, because when prices go up, you know, the oil companies are there and they're just making the money. They're just like, oh man, I, I wish there was something we could do. Well, you could make a little less profit. No, oh, no, something else, something else. Mm, something else we could do that wouldn't affect us. What would it be? And the question is now, why are gas prices surging the way they are? Well, as you heard, Russia, supplies a lot of oil to the rest of the world. And even though America and Europe have passed loads of sanctions against Russia, they've cut off its banks and they've kicked it out of the UN book club, they're still paying Russia $500 million every day for oil and gas. Which, I mean, let's be honest, doesn't make a lot of sense. You know, you're sending money to a country that you're basically at war with. Like if you were in a bar fight, wouldn't it be strange to buy the other guy a bottle of Bud Light so that he can smash you over the head with it? In fact, it's such a weird arrangement that many countries have been talking about boycotting Russian oil, which then created fears of an oil shortage that sent oil prices skyrocketing. Yeah, and apparently those fears were well-founded because today, America did this. 
Today, more consequences from the United States. President Biden announced a ban on all Russian oil, natural gas, and coal imports to the U.S. Today, I'm announcing the United States is targeting the main artery of Russia's economy. We're banning all imports of Russian oil and gas and energy. Americans have rallied support, have rallied to support their Ukrainian people and made it clear we will not be part of subsidizing Putin's war. This is a step that we're taking to inflict further pain on Putin. But there will be cost as well here in the United States. Since Putin began his military buildup on Ukrainian borders, just since then, the price of the gas at the pump in America went up 75 cents. And with this action, it's going to go up further. I'm going to do everything I can to minimize Putin's price hike here at home. Yes, you heard the president. Russian oil is now banned from the United States. But don't get it twisted. America isn't just gonna start riding bikes everywhere, all right? It's gotta get that oil from somewhere. And luckily, America produces a lot of its own oil. There's Texas, there's Alaska, there's Rudy Giuliani, but it's still not enough. It's still not enough oil. So America has also been reaching out to countries that it's not exactly on great terms with. You know, like Venezuela and Saudi Arabia to try and get them to pump more oil to get the prices back down. Which you have to admit is a bit of an awkward situation to be in, you know? Because, yeah, America's basically like, these countries are immoral and we will have nothing to do with them. <laughs> you guys have any <laughs> gas money, Saudi Arabia? <laughs> I said that shit to you before I was home. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't it be funny if those countries turned around and, <laughs> and flipped it on America if they were like, America, we would love to sell you oil, but we cannot do business with a country that drones civilians in the Middle East. Our conscience will not allow it. <laughs> no, we're just kidding. We'll take your money. You should have seen your face though. You were so scared, huh? Imagine we don't take your money. <laughs> but while America is able to go cold turkey on Russian oil, Europe is hooked. They're completely hooked for now. And like, completely hooked. The EU gets 40% of its gas and a quarter of its oil from Russia, which is why they couldn't join this boycott even if they wanted to. Yeah, without Russia's energy, Europe wouldn't have enough heat for their homes or fuel for their cars or oil for their weird Christmas blackface celebrations, which means that Russia has a lot of leverage in that relationship. And it turns out that they know it. As the weight of crippling sanctions falls on Russia, Vladimir Putin is now threatening to cut off Europe's gas supply. In an address on state television on Monday, Russia's deputy prime minister, Alexander Novak, warned that Russia has every right to shut off its gas deliveries to Europe. He added, so far, we are not taking such a decision. But European politicians, with their statements and accusations against Russia, push us towards that. Yeah, you see, you can't go too hard after the country that makes it possible for you to survive winter. That's why Europe always has to pepper its denunciations of Russia with, like, the occasional compliment. This war in Ukraine is as inexcusable as Tchaikovsky's music is unforgettable, huh? Now, of course, this is a two-way street. Sure, Europe needs Russian oil, but Russia needs Europe's money. I mean, what else do they have to offer? It's not like they're gonna fund a war by selling cabbage soup. So both sides of this relationship are in a game of chicken and nobody knows who's gonna give. The one thing we do know is this. It would definitely be better for Europe and America to not be in this situation in the first place. Because Putin has shined a spotlight on the trade-offs that dependency on fossil fuels creates. If countries wanna move to renewable energy or safe nuclear power, they can no longer afford to make that like item number 10 
on the agenda. Yeah, because not only will the planet suffer, but you'll find yourself constantly having to make deals with the devil. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. One of the big stories of Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine has been the surprising resilience of the Ukrainian people. But what's been almost more surprising is that it turns out the Russian military wasn't as prepared or powerful or effective as everybody thought. Yeah, their tanks are falling apart, their trucks are getting stuck in the mud, and the soldiers don't seem very prepared, which is not what any of us expected. You know, Russia struggling is not what anybody thought. It's like, imagine if in Game of Thrones, we waited seven seasons for the White Walkers, and then when they arrived, it was just a bunch of old dudes using walkers. You know, I mean, it still would have been a better ending, but you know what I mean. You know, when you think about it, you realize there's a chance that Russia's nukes don't even work, yeah? Because if you look at the trucks that get stuck in the mud, you realize there's a chance that their nuclear weapons don't work. Like, they might press that red button, and the nukes are just gonna be like... Now, please note, if I'm wrong about the nukes, we're all dead. So whatever you do, don't act on my intelligence. This is just me brainstorming here. The point is that in the two weeks that this has been going on, Russia has only been able to capture, completely capture, one major Ukrainian city so far. But that hardly means that things are going well for Ukraine. Several other cities are under siege and facing constant bombardment, and Russian troops have taken control of one especially strategic asset. Ukraine is raising alarms about the situation at the Chernobyl nuclear power plant, the site of the world's worst nuclear disaster. Ukrainian officials say Russian forces disconnected the decommissioned facility from the power grid but called for a ceasefire in order to restore power. Ukraine's foreign minister says the plant has reserved diesel generators that can power it for 48 hours. But after that, the cooling systems for spent nuclear fuel stored there will stop making radiation leaks imminent. Ah, come on, Russia. Can you not mess around with a nuclear power plant? It's nuclear power. I mean, I want season two of Chernobyl, yes, but I also want to be around to watch season two of Chernobyl. Now, thankfully, the International Atomic Energy Agency says that there's no danger of a leak right now, which is good news right now. But I mean, regardless, Russia, what are you doing, huh? I mean, we're already dealing with one meltdown over here, the world doesn't need another one. And a Chernobyl disaster is bad news for you. Think about it. I mean, best case scenario, best case scenario, what happens if you screw this up, huh? A lot of Russians get sick. Worst case scenario, the radiation is gonna create an army of mutant super Ukrainians. And right now you can't even beat the regular ones, so is this a move you really wanna make? Now, while all of this is taking place in Eastern Europe, the West is still trying to figure out how involved NATO should get in helping Ukraine fight off the Russian invasion. Because you see, so far, NATO has been sending a lot of weapons into Ukraine. They've been sending surface-to-air missiles, anti-tank missiles, rocket launchers, guns, ammo, some Legos for the Russians to step on, everything. And these weapons are all helping. But what Ukraine really wants, really, really, really wants, is some fighter jets which apparently 
is a much trickier request. The Biden administration racing to catch up to news that Poland is offering to provide used fighter jets, MiGs, that could ultimately be delivered to Ukraine. Multiple sources telling CNN that report initially caught U.S. officials completely off guard. Poland said it would give Ukraine all of its MiG-29 jets, but transfer them to an American airbase in Germany. But the Pentagon said no, that it's too close to direct U.S. military involvement in the fight against Russia. Okay, this is, this is weird. This is really weird. Poland has offered Ukraine fighter jets, but they don't want to give the jets to Ukraine directly because then they will be in a direct war with Russia. So instead, they want to give the jets to America and then America hands them to Ukraine. But then America doesn't want to do that because then they're fighting Russia directly. So now there's jets and there's Ukraine, but nobody knows how to bring the two together. I'll be honest, I don't know why this is so complicated. I mean, you've just got to treat these jets like an old couch that you don't want anymore. Hey, just leave it on the sidewalk. And then if Ukraine happens to walk by and finds a jet, I mean, what's Poland got to do with it, eh? Also, I don't know if it's just me. I don't know if it's just me, but it's weird that they're going (laughs) through all these mental gymnastics here. Because even if Poland finds some sneaky way to get these planes to Ukraine, isn't Russia going to know where the planes came from? You told us on the news. Comrade, did you notice Poland offered Ukraine jets? Now Ukraine has Polish jets. How did that happen? Yeah, probably same way toast always lands butter side down, eh? Life is crazy. We'll never know. And this has been a tricky situation since the war started. How involved can NATO get without Russia turning on them? And I'll be honest, I get it. It is hard to figure out. You know, this is like the ultimate conundrum of life sometimes. Like the other day, I saw a mugging on the subway and I'm not gonna jump in to stop it because now that person is stabbing me. So instead I said, hey, don't do that. And then I immediately jumped off the train and I ran away, which I think struck the right balance, you know? Now, while the war war rages on, the West's economic war against Russia is ramping up too. Just yesterday, President Biden banned all Russian oil from entering America that's created its own problems because Americans still need gasoline to drive cars and to heat offices and to set their homes on fire for the insurance money. So President Biden is going around the world asking other countries to pump more gas to replace Russia's, right? Unfortunately, some of the countries that could help America apparently won't pick up the phone. As Americans watch gas prices rise, the Biden administration is now looking at importing oil from hostile countries, but it's not going so well. The Wall Street Journal reports President Biden tried to call the leaders of Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates, but they would not take his call. Officials from both countries are upset over American policy in the Gulf. Specifically, the Saudis want legal immunity for Prince Mohammed bin Salman in the U.S. He's facing several lawsuits over the killing of journalist Jamal Khashoggi back in 2018. Saudi Arabia and the UAE also want more backing from the U.S. and Yemen to quell the civil war there. And both are also reportedly not happy with the revival of the Iranian nuclear deal. You have got to be kidding me. Apparently, Saudi Arabia won't even pick up the phone for the president of the United States. I mean, look, I know it's hard to arrange those calls. You know, Riyadh is eight hours ahead. Biden is asleep by 4 p.m. It's a narrow window to make it work. But still, that must have been really embarrassing for Biden. Can you imagine? He phones them and they don't pick up. 
He probably had to do that thing where you pretend that the other person did pick up. Haha, <laughs> yes, MBS, <laughs> my man. <laughs> yeah, Ukraine, that is what I'm calling. You got me, baby, you got, yeah. Oh, I have been working out, yeah. This guy loves me, he loves me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, okay, I'll call you back. All right, love you too. You know what the White House needs to do? You know what they should do for the situation? They need to redirect the call so that instead of Washington, D.C., it looks like the call is coming from Ohio. Yeah, because then the Saudis, curiosity's gonna get them. Phone's gonna ring, they're gonna be like, ah, oh, who's calling from Ohio? Do we know anybody from Ohio? And someone's gonna be like, don't answer, don't answer. Ah, oh, but what if it's LeBron? I have to answer, hello? Ah, oh, Joe Biden, damn it, you were right. Ah, oh, shit. Yes, yes, <laughs> I was hoping you would call. Now, according to the White House, according to the White House, this story is totally untrue. They deny it, which I would too. But either way, man, there is no denying that Saudi Arabia isn't playing ball with Joe Biden. And you know what, you can say what you want, but this would have never happened to Donald Trump, never. No one was ever ignoring Donald Trump's calls. Yeah, because if you ignore Donald Trump's calls, you didn't know how he would respond. Maybe he'd send an angry tweet, or maybe he'd just like ban your country from everything. You don't know. That's why I bet in these situations, Biden actually wishes that he could hire Trump to step in as President Wildcard. You know, just keep everyone on their toes. Because if Trump was calling, you best believe the UAE, they'd be racing to pick up the phone. Oh, Mr. Trump, Mr. Trump, we're here, we're here, hello? Too late, Ahmed, you made me wait two rings. We're bombing the UAE and the UFC, just in case. Now, while Biden and NATO are trying to figure out how to get Russia back in line, people all over the world are trying to do their part to stand up to the Russian regime. The only downside is that some people don't quite seem to understand the assignments. Backlash to the Russian invasion of Ukraine is leading to some misguided hostility in the U.S. Congressman uh, Eric Swalwell, who says that the consideration of kicking every Russian student out of the U.S. should be on the table. A young Russian pianist who is set to perform with the Montreal Symphony Orchestra this week has been struck from the schedule after protest. The Cardiff Philharmonic Orchestra have removed the Russian composer Tchaikovsky from its program of up-and-coming concerts due to the current conflict in Ukraine. A popular Russian restaurant in D.C. is now vandalized. D.C. police say several people broke windows and spray-painted anti-Russian writing on the Russia House restaurant. New York's Russian Samovar restaurant says they've lost 60% of their customers. The co-owner is half Ukrainian. He said their sign has been kicked down and people have been leaving one-star reviews online saying things like, stop the just because you're a quote-unquote Russian establishment does not mean you cut a check to Putin or his regime. Ah, oh, man, really, people? Really? You know, the only thing worse than not getting help is getting help from idiots. People, just because something is Russian doesn't mean it's automatically bad, all right? Like, like Russian dressing, for example. Okay, that, that is bad. That's actually bad. Yeah, that tastes like ketchup dyed inside a bottle of mayonnaise. But you get what I'm saying. Not all Russian things are bad because of what's happening in Russia. Do you understand? You're not trying to be against the Russian people. You're trying to be against the Russian government to stop them from what they're doing in Ukraine. You understand that you can be anti-Russia and pro-Russian, all right? It's the same way you can question the Chinese government's handling of coronavirus without punching Asian grandmothers in the street. Do you understand this? Americans of all people should understand this, yeah. You know, sometimes people wanna be separated from the actions of their government. Yeah, we've seen you Americans traveling around the world with your Canadian flags sewn on your backpacks. 
And you know we can't tell the difference between your accents. By the way, you might think it's a good idea to ban Tchaikovsky now, but wait until Christmas comes and you're trying to get your nutcracker on. Then come talk to me. But look, idiots taking their anger out on Russian restaurants in New York, that's one thing. There is another backlash that's going on with corporations, which does make sense. Every day, more and more corporations are deciding they don't want to be a part of the Russian economy that is funding this war, right? As we told you yesterday, McDonald's, Starbucks, and now Coca-Cola have announced that they're suspending business in Russia. Yes, which means the Russian people are gonna be forced to develop diabetes on their own now. Yeah, and today, today, another big name is calling it quits. Bumble also announced that it will be discontinuing operations in Russia, removing all of its apps from the Apple App Store and Google Play Store in Russia and Belarus, and it's just the latest company to do so. Wow. No more Bumble in Russia. That's harsh. Now, you need dating apps in a country where the cuffing season is 10 months long. Have you seen their winters? And I know you might be saying, oh, Trevor, meeting women in Russia is easy. All you have to do is look inside a slightly larger woman. But that's not how it works. Don't be stupid. This is yet another hit to the Russian people because of what Putin has done. And you know, when you think about it, because Russian people only get Russian news, they probably have no idea why all these companies are closing. None. Think about it. Every day, something else just disappears from their life. McDonald's, gone. Starbucks, gone. Coca-Cola, gone, but you don't know why. Can you imagine how confusing that must be? Yeah, there's probably Russians just walking around like, huh, I guess I was the only person drinking Coke. Now, as always, where the Western companies move out, the Russian government steps in. And luckily for all the Russians looking to meet horny singles in their area, there's another app that's coming out. Comrades, are you upset that Bumble has abandoned Mother Russia like coward? Well, do not worry, or we put you in jail. You do not need Bumble, because Russia has new dating app, Putin Out. Now you can meet single Russians who match your interests, like loving Putin, or willing to die for Putin, or fit. Just swipe right on fellow Russians, then use chat feature to learn more about them. Maybe you fall in love, or maybe you report them to police. Either way is win. After matching on Putin out, you will enjoy all kinds of fun dating adventures like storming Odessa beaches, or cleaning normal glowing rocks in Chernobyl. So fun. So sign up today for Putin out. Does not matter if you are already married, it's mandatory. Kim Kardashian, influencer, business mogul, and Instagram's final boss. To promote the new Kardashian show that's launching on Hulu, Kim and her sisters gave an interview to Variety where they talked about their lives and their business strategies. But one clip that's gone viral has rubbed many people the wrong way. Kim Kardashian has sparked outrage among some people after offering women career advice during a recent interview with Variety magazine. Here's what she said. I have the best advice for women in business. Get your f***ing ass up and work. It seems like nobody wants to work these days. You That's have to, so true. You have to surround yeah. yourself with people that want to work. No toxic work environments and show up and do the work. Okay, 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 I know. I know a lot of people are pissed off at Kim. I know. But if I'm being perfectly honest, I can see this thing from both sides. I honestly can. Like, I can see it from, from Kim's side. I can see it from Kim's side, you know? 
She's like, you guys think I just take a few pictures and I go to a few events and then suddenly I'm rich and famous and you think it's easy, but it's not easy. And I understand that, I understand that. Kim does a lot of work. She grinds all the time. She's a shrewd businesswoman and she's a mom to Kanye and the kids. But, but part of this idea that people have of Kim is Kim's fault. I mean, think about it, for decades, the thing that she's sold is not work. Yeah, in fact, she works really hard to look like she's not working hard. Every photo on Instagram, she's either on a beach or in a pool or in a hot tub. Basically, any relaxing body of water, she's there, you know? So I get why people have the idea that she doesn't work because you don't see it. You know, I mean, I mean, maybe Kim should put that stuff on Instagram, you know, put up photos of late night meetings, constant calls on product design. I mean, you can still do it in a bikini if you want, but the point is, you know, people should see more of the work. They'd understand. Like, take The Rock. Here's an example. Look at The Rock, right? Because of his social media, I know what it takes to become The Rock. I know if I'm gonna try to become like him, I've gotta wake up at 4 a.m. every day, lift every weight in the gym, and try not to laugh every time I have to work with Kevin Hart. I mean, how can you not? He's like the, he's a human, but he's like the size of like a little dog. Kevin, I can't even. <laughs> Kevin, he's like, he's in my pocket right now. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> but here's the thing that maybe Kim Kardashian doesn't understand. It can come off as extremely condescending to tell women that the reason they're not successful is because they're too lazy to get off their asses and actually work. Because yes, Kim Kardashian works hard, but you know who else works hard? Most women. But what their asses don't have is Kim's luck to be born into a rich family with a famous lawyer parent and an even more famous Olympian step-parent. And all the access and the connections that that brings you. Think about it, if you're lucky, if you're lucky to have that, then yeah, there's a good chance that your hard work is gonna make you successful. But don't forget how much luck has to do with that success. Anyone who says, just work hard and things will work out, those people are forgetting a major component known as luck. A lot of people work hard and they're still broke. In fact, a lot of the time, the broker you are, the harder you probably work. Yeah, my grandmother worked 10 times harder than me, but I'm bowling circles around that woman. Yeah, you hear that, Gogo? <laughs> you can't touch me. You can't touch me. Before we go, families in Ukraine are fleeing violence and urgently need emergency aid. CARE's immediate crisis response aims to reach 4 million people, prioritizing women and girls, families and the elderly. So if you can, please help by donating at the link below to rush urgently needed food, water, hygiene kits, and ongoing support in Ukraine. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and stream full episodes anytime on Paramount+. Plus. Are you ready for an all-new season of Survivor? You better be because Survivor 46 is here and it's 90 minutes of twists and turns you don't want to miss. Better yet, after each episode, there's a brand new episode of On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. Each week, we go behind the scenes of the episode's biggest moments, taking you into the how and the why things happened. And this season, we're very lucky to be joined by an expert, the winner of Survivor 45, Devaya Daris. What is up? I'm thrilled to be joining this team and to be giving you my take on how and the why players made the moves they did, what it takes to outwit, outplay, and outlast, and to ask Jeff some questions because... Even after 26 days out there, there is still a lot for me to uncover. Bring it, D. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.
This has been a Comedy Central podcast. 